0: Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. Hello. <laughs> okay, so if you're looking at this, yeah. you're the second channel. And if I was yeah. real fancy, I put my headphones on. But you can just look at this and see the little wigglies. Totally. Which says, they're picking me up. Are
1: they picking me up? Am I talking? I don't see very many wigglies there.
0: Well, here's the thing, like, I have such, like, a manly, deep voice. I have such a deep, manly voice, I oh. can make my wiggles bigger. That's, that was a little Austrian, was that Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> I did go that way, didn't it? That sounded all, all <laughs> like, Arnold. Arnold. Get to the chopper.
1: <laughs> Get to the chopper.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, okay. welcome to the show.
1: Oh, pure joy.
0: This is the second friend of Annie Downs <laughs> this month on <in> the podcast, <laughs> Fenberg is that the last name? Feinberg. Feinberg. I know.
1: Good Jewish Jewish? German?
0: Name. Jewish. Jewish? Yeah. I I guess that would be your your husband's Jewish or had you says a Jewish? That is actually my maiden name. So I kept my maiden name as my pen name. Really? Yeah. Margaret by the way. Let's Yes. M- did I say it right? Yes. Cuz my grandma is Margie and I feel like oh. I want to call you Margie, but that's not we're not no, going to call no, you that. had to fight that away. Okay, as so you're uh Your last name is Jewish, which maybe means you are Jewish, maybe?
1: My father is Jewish, which technically in Jewish culture means that I am not Jewish, but I know he's my dad, so I'm half
0: Jewish. How does that make you not Jewish if your dad's Jewish?
1: Because technically in Jewish uh, tradition, only the daughters or sons of a mother who is Jewish are considered Jewish. Why? Because it was the only way to prove lineage was through the mom. Now, we live in a day and age when there's DNA testing. We live in a day and age when we have other alternatives to know. But, yeah, that's why in tradition, only if your mom is a Jew are you considered Jewish.
0: And so that's how Jesus is Jewish because his mom was Jewish, even if Joseph wasn't involved.
1: (laughs) Good point there. There's a throw down. Drop the mic.
0: Wow. So congratulations on being half Jewish. Thank you. And what's the other half?
1: Oh, it's a mix from all over. English and probably a little German, and mm. yeah, I've got a blonde-haired, blue-eyed mom, so it's it's all over Europe.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but you're you're not like from Europe. You're from Cocoa Beach. Cocoa, I know, right? Cocoa Beach, Florida. Yeah,
1: Cocoa Beach, Florida. Grew up with my dad in the surfing industry. He actually made longboards the first time they were cool back in the 1950s.
0: There is a new documentary that HBO just put out this week. It's called the momentum generation and I got to watch half of it last night and I watched it with my six-year-old five excuse me how old is she she's seven seven I got a lot of kids their (laughs) ages are always changing she watched until they started saying expletives you know HBO documentary and I was like oh we probably shouldn't be doing this but uh so that was basically your childhood because they're all like surfers and that was basically you
1: yeah I grew up with Running around a little rat in the surf shop and my mom hanging bikinis and Can dad surf? selling surf. Uh, I actually never learned to surf as a kid because we moved away when I was eight years old, which is about the time you'd start to let a kid go surfing yeah. out maybe more by themselves. So I just picked it up in the last couple of years and I'm in love with surfing. I you think really surf? Yeah.
0: Where do you, but you live in Utah I now. do
1: live in Utah. So generally we do it whenever we're along the coast. Um, <laughs> That's a good <laughs> <laughs> Just as a general Thank you. Thanks for <laughs> connecting
0: the dots on that one. Yeah. I was like, do you do that like when you're in middle America? No, coast.
1: No, no coast or Hawaii. Uh, mm-hmm. I love the North Shore. Uh, those are where the really big waves are. And I'm at the ones where I still have like my orange floaties on my arms. Okay. But but it's so stinking fun. I'm in love with surfing. I'm actually training now is swimming because I know we're going to Hawaii so that I can surf every single day. Really? Yes. I love it. Terrible, but I love it.
0: Did you swim today?
1: I did not swim today, but um, I did swim yesterday.
0: You know there is a fake uh, surf park here in Austin? Like, they make the waves and you can surf on them? Shut the door. I, I literally, I shut the door. So, I know you're <laughs> hanging out with Jamie Ivy, tomorrow, tonight?
1: Uh, so, earlier today. You already
0: hung out with Jamie. I did. She well, was magical. You should have asked her to take you surfing, because it's down closer to where she lives.
1: I had no idea. You know what? I don't have to go to the coast anymore. You're changing my life.
0: You're welcome. Thank but you. Texas, like, I think one of the things you should know is, like, there's Texas's Got pretty much everything you need. Like the world didn't give us surfing, we made surfing. That's what we do.
1: <laughs> Everything's bit bigger in Texas.
0: Exactly. Now, you spent some time, okay, your book is called Taste and See. In the book, you spent some time in McKinney, Texas, which mm-hmm. is outside of Dallas, learning the way of Texans when it comes to steaks.
1: I sure did. I really wanted to look at food in the Bible. Mm-hmm. and one of them is just the the recognition of so many meat sacrifices in the Old Testament, and even Jesus taking on that imagery of I am the Lamb of God. And mm-hmm. so I thought, how do I find somebody who is passionate about this, who cares about the meat? And I found Matt Hamilton at local Yokel in McKinney, Texas, and went and graduated from his four-hour Steakology 101 course. What
0: is his name? Like the Apostle of—
1: Yeah, he, he's, he's called—people call him the Meat Apostle the because meat Apostle. he's so passionate— <laughs> about changing the way that we think about meat, eat meat, and the mm. quality of the meat
0: we consume. But you, when you you went to different places, you went to Sea of Galilee, I know that was one place, you went to Yale to learn how to make bread. Texas was the best place to go though, wasn't it? Like <laughs> We can say that.
1: In your presence, I will acknowledge it was amazing and I ate so much meat, my belly was full, full, full.
0: Okay, that's a good way to... To skirt the answer. (laughs) That's a steak pun right there. That was not a sexist pun. It was a steak pun because you make a skirt. Well played. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, let me tell you. Do you like stories? I love stories. Okay, so I used to live in Florida as well. Where? Uh, Panama City. Yeah. The Redneck Riviera. Well done. Yes. And while I was there, I was the preacher at a church. And I did a sermon that referenced a verse that you, of course, reference in this book, uh, Taste and See that the Lord is Good. And I did a sermon, which I'm not saying it was the subject matter of your book. I'm not saying that. I didn't say that you ripped off your book from my sermon. You might have. <laughs> uh, in the same way that my sermon series, I'm doing this thing about the rich man and Lazarus and Luke 16. NPR ran a story saying that those that story and Ebenezer Scrooge's story of Christmas Carol might be uh, related, which is the entire sermon series I'm doing. I'm not saying NPR ripped off my sermon series. I'm just saying they did that after I already started. In the same way that you started this book. After the sermon series. Okay. You picking up what I'm putting down? hundred percent. Okay. So I finished the sermon and there's a older gentleman who said, we just need the sermon about like truth, like real biblical truth. And I go, well, that that's in the Bible. Like, what do you mean? Like biblical? He goes, you know, like sin and forgiveness and heaven. If you were me, if you were giving life coaching to 24 year old Luke, who was in this predicament, and I hadn't got to read your book, because your book probably had far more content than I had in my sermon. I'm just going to be honest. I'm not humble. I can say that. What would your coaching be for me in that moment? What do I say to that guy?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I'd probably look at him and say, but the feast that God has set is so much more expansive than that.
0: It's more expansive than just just Go sin hell and forgiveness.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, it is a feast. I mean, you start looking at God from the opening of creation, and he is like this master chef. He has literally mm. seeded the world with pomegranates and tangerines and raspberries. And he invites the original couple to feast on what he has laid out. Mm-hmm. You start looking at feasting in the Bible, and you see it all the way through, you see his provision, you see his grace, you see it to the end of Revelation where Jesus is knocking at a door to have a meal with us, to sup with us, yeah. all the way to the promise of a marriage supper with the Lamb. And we start to realize that if you are only going to partake of a side dish of heaven and a side dish of a sin, and what was the third? Forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are very important dishes on the t- but there yeah. is
0: so much stinking more. Yep. So
1: much more.
0: Yep. Uh, yeah, I think it definitely is a reductionistic picture of what God is trying to do in the world, of what Jesus brings to us, kind of makes me sad. It is sad. The irony is that we were eating a meal while He said that. So it's like, <laughs> I mean, I guess you're not all into it because you're still eating. You just said the word sup. Like, mm. does that mean like a meal? Like yeah, is, it's
1: an imitation of dining, of of supping. Of so when you say what's up, like what's
0: up? <laughs> what does sup? Literally, is that the etymology uh, of that?
1: I don't know the full etymology. Okay, but it is. It, I believe in that text. It is that 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 invitation of sharing a meal of dining
0: well you went to yale for the book so i'm assuming that you have all the appropriate food-based vernacular down pat definitely okay not. can i tell ta- <laughs> <laughs> can i tell you another story you still like stories i love stories okay, this is a story hour with Luke. so, so i was at this little retreat with some of our mutual friends annie f Downs. And Jonathan Q. Merritt. I don't know if that's his real middle. <laughs> it should be though. What do you think his middle initial is? I think
1: it might be a. It might be a Michael, but I could be wrong on that. J M M M. Could be a JMMM. He's gonna bust me if I don't know this. Yeah. Well, oh.
0: sorry, buddy. Uh, anyway, um, so I'm there to, with these people, and uh, a friend. I don't know if you know Jason Miller, but he uh, was our friend who kind of put this event together. And Jason has the chef friend drive out to like we're on. Uh, like Michigan, one of, one,
1: of one of the big ones. One of the big ones. And do they have surfing?
0: Oh, I don't think so. It was really okay. cold. I did get in the water, but no one else was surfing because it was real cold. Uh, they did go out the day before with the Nikwiss on a boat, mm. and so I don't know. But I was I wasn't there for that because I was preaching like a good Christian. Um, anyway, so we had this the chef come out from South Bend out to this place, and he cooks this like five or six or seven course. Meal. It was one of the best meals I've ever had in my life. Mm. And whenever I'm back in the area, I, I try to get this guy's food. And so I had another meal with this guy. It was outstanding a couple weeks ago. So good. Uh, that is Temper Grill in South Bend, Indiana. Ooh, sign me up. Okay, so the chef is out and he's preparing one of the courses and it's going to be sliders. And so my friend Jason is in the kitchen and I said, hey, can I, can I help chef? His, uh, his name is not chef, but it's Sean. But I asked Sh- Chef Sean, hey, can I help? And he goes, Sure take this uh, this cup and cut the buns of the bread to smaller size so it fits the the uh, the sliders, which that all makes sense, right and If you look at me, do you think this guy is able to use a cup to kind of perforate the edges of a bun to shrink it down to the appropriate size?
1: I think you can do this
0: manual dexterity is all in place, the mental acuity, good vision like I could do. But my friend Jason walks over and goes, I don't think we can, I don't, I-, I need to do this. He, cause he is such, I want to say a snob, but I'm going to, I'm going to say a snob. He's a, a, a but he self identifies as a, as a foodie and, mm-hmm. and I'm not according to him. Like I'm just a second class citizen. So part of me has this negativity towards mm. the foodie thing. And I don't want you to feel like it's to you. But like I've been hurt, and so I mm-hmm. like I, sometimes that hurt hurts other people. Mm-hmm. So here's my critique of foodies: they're all stuck up, like Jason. Is that always true? Absolutely not. Okay. So
1: can I just kind of back us back us up a little bit? Come. So if you actually look up what foodie means, it is simply someone who takes a particular interest in food, and so that opens the gate super wide because I don't know about you, but I'm already thinking about what I'm going to have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner tomorrow. And mm-hmm. so anybody who's thinking the same thing, we should totally be friends. I love food.
0: You're, you planned it out. Like when you came to Texas, did you think these are meals? that? Oh, I, I
1: was not coming to Austin without eating at Torchies. Like there was a, there was a serious. Good. I Good know. for you. I, Last I have time... my priorities. Yeah.
0: That's Annie was here twice Took get her torchies. Oh, so good. Weekend. So good. That yeah.
1: fried avocado taco. Oh man. I love
0: you're that. legit. Like you're seriously into this.
1: I love it. But I think there are people who are, who are snobs who are really particular, but I think that, but being a foodie can be a, a, also an act of grace. And just saying you take a particular interest. And I think most of us, if we're honest, are foodies. If you care about what you eat, there are people who do not care. I'm a little jealous of you because you're super skinny. Um, but for me, I take a particular interest. And so to broaden that definition and interact with people who are in the process of learning more and yeah. seeking more. And back to God, like I think he was the original foodie and and i will suggest this as mm. someone who takes a particular interest in food because throughout the text he is const- there's constantly this presence of food if you start looking for food in the bible it literally all pops and sizzles on every page and so when you start diving into mm-hmm. that it comes alive and it brings new meaning and a richness to the text that that you won't get any other way
0: first of all i love that you said pops and sizzles <laughs> as someone who used to be a waiter at a uh, at a steakhouse that's a nice touch right there well well done uh, I've got uh, another friend who is a foodie. His name is Fate. He lives in, uh, he lives actually in Compton in uh, in Southern California. And he was, he's been out here. And so he's like the guy who like takes pictures of every meal that he eats. And so like, it's all over social. Just this is what I'm eating. And sometimes to him, I like to say, like, I, I get like you identify as a foodie, but he's not a snob. Jason's a, like, mm-hmm. so that's the differentiation of foodies. Not everyone's a snob. Fate's not a snob. But like everyone likes food, right? Mm-hmm. Like there are a few people who do. I, like, but I've never met someone who's like, yeah, I don't like to eat food. Like everyone likes food. But foodies just like take it to another level, is that what mm-hmm. you're saying?
1: I think so, and they're intentional, and for them, food becomes almost like a treasure hunt, so was, some people might travel somewhere and come home with little uh, little spoons or maybe like a shot glass or whatever that thing is. You go to your Christmas ornament when you buy a foodie's probably going to come back with salt of the region or particular spices or particular crackers, mm-hmm. and then when they bring it back and they're serving it, they're serving. You may be more than a meal. I know we do this. We're, that we're serving you part of our lives, part of our adventures, yeah. something with a story that helps make mm-hmm. it rich. We got this from the meat apostle, this steak. And so, you know, he, he raised that steak It hasn't an had antibiotics. He knows the number of it. He knows the birth date, the death date, the wean date. And so it's more than just, it, mm-hmm. it, it crosses that line. And I think we're all hungry for this, that at the end of the day, when we sit down to eat, we want more than a meal. Like most of us really want more. There are days that we're we're really hungry, but but I think we hunger for more than just, you know, appetizer, entree, dessert. We're hungering for that connection, that sense of knowing and being known. Yeah. And so creating that space. And so if it's not taken to extreme, I think that's what people who who love food do is they're sharing part of their lives with each other.
0: True or false. If you go to Times Square, New York, and you see the Olive Garden there, and you go eat in the Olive Garden on Times Square... Could you ever be a foodie?
1: Oh, oh, well, it depends. If there's long lines everywhere else and that's the one place you could get in, and maybe you're on a super budget and you had a coupon, I totally get it. But to be in New York (laughs) and not reach for
0: the pizza? Come on. That's a very judicious way of saying no. That's 100% (laughs) saying no. Uh, Okay, but like you said, pops and sizzles throughout Scripture. Mm -hmm. The the centerpiece of Christian worship is a meal. It's Eucharist. Mm -hmm. How... Hmm... Why do you think Eucharist is the centerpiece of Christian worship? Or at least for many Christians, they put that as the centerpiece of their worship. Yeah. What does it say to us about God and how we understand food?
1: Yeah, well, I think if you're going to celebrate the Eucharist, you've really got to dig back and look at the Passover meal. And just how rich that is again with bread and wine, mm-hmm. um, and how this past spring and researching for this book, I got to spend the Passover with a family in Israel, and it was the full meal deal. I mean, it was the the readings and the songs from the kids, mm-hmm. but and the the hiding of the matzah and all the different the prize. It was absolute chaos and pure joy and delight. And I remember sitting there and realizing we weren't just eating a meal; we were reenacting. And so when we ate, we all had to lean to the left to represent the fleeing out of Israel. We all had to uh, taste the bitter herbs dipped in the salt water, which would make everybody's face curl. And at the end of this, I remember the, the mama came up to me, Mama Vered, and she said, you know why we do this? And I'm like, uh, because it's Passover? She goes, no. And she, she lo- points to where the seats where the kids were out hunting for the matzah or playing. And she says, because they must know where they come from. They must know where they come from. This is our journey from slavery to freedom. Wow. When she said that, I realized this is the meal that allows us in a very visceral level to take in that journey from slavery to freedom, and that's exactly what the Eucharist does too.
0: Wow, that's good. How how do we instill that sort of experience in meals for us? I, I mean, there's no way for—as Christians, I guess you are connected to the, the Jewish story, but— That sort of richness, it seems like there's never been a meal that I've had, and I've had a Passover meal before, but I I felt like a spectator. What are practices, do you have practices that you do that, that try to associate that sort of significance with what you're participating in?
1: Yeah. I think for us, something that just real practical that I've started doing is we kind of have now a rhythm that we have. And it becomes a go-to, which actually makes it easier when we have guests over and you come over, there's probably going to be some cheeses and meat sitting out. We're going to ask you to take off your shoes. You're going to come in. We're going to talk around there. Then we're going to probably not sit around a formal table. We sit around our living room table Mm -hmm. and eat off of our laps and people sit on the floor. It's awkward for some people at first, but they get used to it. The whole meal? The whole meal. Yeah. Because we find that sitting around a table for us, again, this is not for everybody, makes people more formal and a little bit, um, a little bit like on their tipsy yeah, toes. And when that. we sit around the living room, they're completely disarmed. And so we're able to get into real conversation faster. And then before they come over, a lot of times I'll just pray and I'll say, Holy Spirit, I want you to show up tonight. Show up, God, show off. And then sometime during the meal, I'll ask this question of, hey, what is the Holy Spirit or the divine or God or however you want to frame that in the context of who you're with? How has he been showing up or moving in your life lately? And it's amazing. People, all spectrums of faith, no faith, will respond to that question. And a lot of times the whole mood of the meal will change that night as people start sharing more vulnerably. Now, it is not a magic trick. There are times it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. You have to lean in. But it's amazing. Once you've kind of set the context, maybe a little... You know, meat and cheese, mm-hmm. sitting around a living room. How people open up, and our souls are satisfied and met and known, and it's it's rich.
0: Hmm. Okay, so let's talk about bread. Ooh la la! So bread was one of one of the things you talked about. You have a chapter yeah. on it, and yeah. you go to Yale. That's where you yeah traveled
1: to Yale went and spent time with Andrew McGowan, who's mm-hmm. the head of the. Uh, he, president of the, I'm going to get it all messed up, president and dean of the Berkeley School at Yale. Yeah. And he is a breadhead. I don't know that he would use that official breadhead?
0: term. Breadhead? Is like, that that's a, that's
1: a term? Is that a U? Is that a, yeah. a U turn? I like yeah. that. Yeah, I don't know that he'd call himself that, but you go in and in his kitchen. I By the way, I invited myself to his house, so that's Her, part of the
0: adventure. I respect that.
1: Yeah. And uh, we sat, and he has this incredible table in the center of his kitchen just for like kneading bread. Yes. And so we made matzah in under 18 minutes because matzah, to be considered kosher, has to be made in that type time frame.
0: Wasn't there the line that uh, two rabbis were debating once 18, once said 23, and they always take the more conservative one. So you have an 18-minute 18, 18 time window to get it done. Mm-hmm.
1: From the moment the water hits the flour to the moment it's pulled out of the oven.
0: Oh wow, I didn't think I yeah, I didn't think about the oven time. That's very quick.
1: Yes, it is very I mean, it is like it's like speed bread making. Mm. It's crazy town.
0: Give me this breakdown. How much of it was in the oven? How much of the time was out yeah,
1: of Yeah, I would say time in the oven was usually four to five minutes, and then the rest was all prepped because you're you're mixing. You're getting the right consistency of the flour and the water. You're getting, uh, you're getting it spread out, kneaded out. You're getting it. Um, the
0: bubbles? Wasn't there a thing about the bubbles can't be?
1: Yep, more than a half an inch wide. And mm. so what you do is you go and you take a fork, and you make pock marks all the way across it before it goes in the oven, mm. which, by the way, at a Ritz cracker, I think they have eight of those holes, so it doesn't swell up on a Ritz cracker. You'll see the holes in the center of those.
0: Oh, that's what oh, it's for. I know. amazing. Yeah. Okay, one of the other things you said about the way that the bread looks. So, uh, the kid who brings the happy meal to Jesus. Mm. Five barley loaves, two fish, only a food you would mm-hmm. get that it's barley. Okay, I'll go with that. But, they break the bread. They never have a a knife to cut it Mm -hmm. because.
1: Yeah. So in the, in antiquity, they would make these small loaves and they would almost pre-cut the surface like you would a pizza. So it's Mm -hmm. easy for tear. And then they'd slide it into the oven. And then when it came out, those pre-cut portions would all be there. So what that did is it made it, um, so that you never had, if you look for bread in the Bible, you'll never find a knife nearby to cut to yeah. cut it, it's literally we are breaking bread. And so at the end of that story, when it talks about them gathering up the 12 baskets of the of the, the portions that were left over, I always thought those were crumbs or like, you know, like the pizza bones. Mm-hmm. And those were probably and most likely the whole portions of bread, reminding us how often do we settle for the crumbs when maybe God wants to give us the whole portion.
0: Yeah, and, and another part that you, you talk about in the book is that it signifies that bread has a communal aspect mm. to it. Like you're not making individual like for me like I think all pizzas can be personal pizzas if you try hard enough right? <laughs> um, but bread is is made so that it's not just me and so like in the Lord's Prayer Jesus says give us this day our daily bread mm-hmm. and when I was a kid I, I once tried to like oh I'm gonna make the Lord's Prayer personal because you know Jesus needs an editor to come back and revise his suggestions because I'm a good Church of Christ boy that's what I try to do and I realized like give me my bread Is not what Jesus is praying. There's always a communal aspect to bread. Like that changes our way of understanding.
1: It's so rich. And it's from, it's all the way through. So for instance, I think a lot of times we just think of today going to the grocery store, buying a loaf of bread. It's all done. Check out in our own little lane, get in our own car, drive away. And in antiquity, a lot of times, especially among the poor, they would go out the entire family and they would till the ground, they would remove the rocks, they would plant the seed, saying that Jewish prayer mm-hmm. each time the seed went in the ground. They would then wait for the harvest, driving off pestilence, praying for rain. Then it was time to bring it in. They would, you know, they would cut it, they would winnow it, they would grind it. Then it was time to knead it and then bake it. When they baked it, they baked it in communal ovens. So it wasn't like today where everybody had an, a single individual oven. They didn't all have a GE. They would have several ovens throughout the community well the problem with that is if you have a communal oven and it's your precious hard-won family effort to make that loaf of bread once you stick it in how do you know it's yours and so what they would do is they would place an insignia on top of it. And that way, when they pulled it out, it was it had their mark on it. And, and so we see this communal attitude and perspective from the very moment that the seed is going into the land as an act of the family and their hard labor no. to all the way that it's coming out of the community. And so when that boy gave his Happy Meal on that day, he wasn't giving... It wasn't just his lunch. That was the offering of the entire family.
0: And the Happy Meal in my head, is going, I can just grab this on my way in. I'm going to be hungry for a couple hours. I'm going to get dinner tonight. That's his, That's not his experience. No, this that is, is this... not the world of antiquity. Y- y- go, tell the thing about uh, in Pompeii that they mm-hmm. found two. Tell us.
1: Those... Yeah, the volcanoes that went off in Pompeii, one of the great archaeological discoveries, there were many. There were many. But one mm-hmm. of them is they found um, where an oven had been preserved um, from, from all that had happened there. And when they opened it up, they found two loaves i believe it was one or two and it was perfectly preserved with all of the cuts on top of it and the insignia there it was likely from a slave i believe they think uh who had been making that bread for a wealthier family but it was that same concept of this is how bread was made mm. and so when we think of bread in the bible as our big flight white l- fluffy loaves that's just not the case and it wasn't it wasn't white at all
0: hmm. okay can i tell you something i i, I... Try to adhere to a paleo diet. I love pizza more than I love my paleo diet, <laughs> but I typically do that. And so, uh, what did you say in the book that one percent of Americans have uh, the allergy ce- celiac? Yeah, celiac or some gluten free, mm-hmm. some gluten free thing. So there's yeah. a small percentage who do this for um, health medical, reasons, yeah, low health carb, reasons. But yeah. the like you have an allergy, like you have to do it. But yeah. then some of us are just like, hey, I think this is probably the best option for me, and this is the diet. And it's, it's a luxury, right? It's a luxury. Oh. And you say uh, if you took bread out of the diet of people in the world, you'd have billions of people who would just starve because it's a, what you say, 30%?
1: in a matter of months. Yeah. There'd be a billion there'd be a billion plus people dead in a matter of months if we took bread out of the collective diet. So living in a majority or a minority world country or what was formerly known as a first world country to, to not eat bread is such a privilege.
0: Hold on pause. We if formerly was known as first world, what are we supposed to call it now? Major, minority world. Minority world. Like minority report. <laughs> is that a movie? Okay, Carrie. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. I, I'm yeah, no seven moment there. Okay, uh, but it's a it's a privilege thing.
1: It is a privilege thing, and so I think sometimes when we get so offended or we you know get mad that somebody served us bread or wish there wasn't a sandwich, which I've I've had those meals, but to still understand, even as a person who maybe wrestles with allergy or sickness, that is still a privilege. There are people all over this world who have the same allergies, the same sickness, but it's all they have to eat.
0: I've never thought of people outside of America having a food allergy to bread. Cause there's part of me that still thinks it's like psychosomatic. Like I get like you're saying, but that can't be real. <laughs>
1: but cause, like,
0: I say that tongue in cheek. Um, yeah.
1: I know you're going to get a lot of angry letters now. They're coming. Yeah. They're coming S- for send you, them Luke. to
0: Margaret <laughs> Feinberg. Feinberg. Feinberg? Feinberg at Hotmail. Um, wouldn't that be great if that was your email at Hotmail? <laughs> okay. You say in the book that you are a salt connoisseur. Oh my Do you have goodness. a term for it? What was the term? Do you use some us uh, uh there's actually it's like a
1: take on sommelier but it's like sal- S- yeah that's what it was and it's somebody who loves salt and and can taste differences and i am i am your girl I'm okay, your
0: salt I, whore. i eat the same thing for most meals every day and so what like, do you eat like, like i have my same breakfast of, like
1: what is it it's we're all curious we're all dying to know what do th- you th- eat?
0: Th- so i eat egg egg whites avocado mm-hmm. some salsa and then like turkey bacon mm-hmm. uh that and then I, I but it's like the same same kind of stuff like e- every day like i so I, I i'm just saying like i'm not probably the the center audience for a book about like foodiness and all that yeah. so when you talk about like being a salt connoisseur i'm like okay come on all right <laughs> i can get the stuff about steak cuz you're talking about texas i can get the stuff about bread salt i feel like that's that's a lot yeah but but there are people like you who are like i I go somewhere I'm going to bring back. Like you describe salts I've never heard of. Like I get seasoned salt. I know that. Uh, But like, what was it? Bay? No. What? Tell me the salts you described in the book. Ooh, there are a wide variety. There's some from <laughs> yes.
1: I know, Australia. There's no it's salt. Sorry, I'm, no salt is not salt, and that's part of what I dove into, so people could understand the mentions of salt in the Bible.
0: I know I'm a food nerd. I'm but sorry, you're, but you're, you were born into this. What, isn't the story yeah, your my mom, mom was yeah born salt when she met your dad? Right? Yeah, my
1: mom was uh, shopping for a surfboard back to Cocoa Beach, of course, and um, my back. dad saw her in the surf shop and thought she is very cute, and so he offered her this incredible deal. He said, "Hey, if you'll go to dinner with me and um, I will let you buy one of my surfboards for wholesale she was like that is a great deal so they meet up for dinner and she has ordered a bowl of soup and she's telling the story and she's got a salt shaker in her hand and she's just talking and talking my eyes my dad's eyes are getting bigger like what is she doing with all that salt pouring into her soup and suddenly the lid pops off It splashes everywhere salt goes all over the table and my mom is thinking there is no way I'm getting another date but I still am getting that discount on the surfboard <laughs> which she did but um, something about that caught my dad's attention and they just celebrated, I think it's going to be their 52nd anniversary is coming up.
0: Wow. And it's all because she as, assaulted her soup, right? <laughs> she assault, uh-huh. assaulted her. <laughs> Dad jokes all day. Okay. But you love salt. And so there, there, there's a cornucopia of salt, flavor, salt, yeah, types just of salts.
1: Salt? So I think most of us. bath ha-
0: salts. Does that count?
1: Basil. I wouldn't eat those, but not recommend. You can. People afford to do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pass on that. Okay, all right. You go ahead. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, so there's a variety of salts. And I think what happened in our American modern culture is most of us know, like, the blue canister with the little girl with the yellow umbrella. And Yeah, I, I know that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And that's sodium chloride. And then it's been fortified with iodine and a few other things because of goiter back in the early uh, 1900s. Anyway.
0: Chemistry worthy with newsworthy today, right look at <laughs> right? that. it's fancy, You're robbing
1: it. But if you actually look for salt when it is harvested, um, it is harvested with the surrounding minerals. So, for instance, in the book, I describe going down 410 feet into a salt mine, and it's this dark cavern. We're driving down in this truck, and when you look up at the wall of the cavern, it looks like it looks like I'm in a, in a like a wall of jewels mm-hmm. of quartz and rubies and like peach garnets. It is gorgeous, and that's because the the salt has its surrounding minerals. And what I learned from the salt miner was that <laughs> it, I know, right? This is normal. Don't you go? Don't you? Doesn't everybody do this? <laughs> Don't you like find something in the Bible am like, we're going to go find these people. Salt
0: miner. Salt okay. miner.
1: Is that he would, he picked up this big chunk of salt and there was like a dark area in it. And he said, this is what the chefs love the best. Because it was the darker area that had some of the surrounding minerals that would really bring out the fullness of flavor in the food. That's. Next level. I
0: I, I mean, that that's, a, I can't even come up with a follow up question to that. So that's. That's, that's deep into the salt game. That
1: is deep. So in other words, if you want a salt that is similar to Himal- Him- Him- Himalayan, Himalayan Himalayan salt, you can find it right here in the United States under the label of real salt. And it comes out of Utah, and it's uh-huh. amazing.
0: And that's why you live in Utah, so you get the best salt, right?
1: Exactly. It's exactly. <laughs> you think this is so Just, crazy. I love This it. is ridiculous. <laughs> this
0: is 100% ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, but I'm so glad I'm learning these things. Okay, so what do I not get about Jesus' command to be the salt of the yeah. earth? Because I just think, you know, stay away from salt. It's bad for you when yeah. you eat. And I
1: think a lot of times when you talk about that salt... But you hold
0: You put, you, for the listeners' knowledge, yeah. you bring your own salt, not just to steakhouses, which people can kind of be like, I get that. Chick-fil-A. I,
1: I've done that. Yeah, I've, I've brought my own Do you feel good salt. about that?
0: <laughs> do you feel good about that decision? <laughs>
1: I do knowing that I'm not just eating the sodium chloride with the iodine that I could actually have like really like flavorful, rich salt that contains the minerals that my body needs. I'll do that. Yeah.
0: Hey, here's, I used to get a cooler and drive outside of Dallas to a town I used to live in called Denton and go to a specific ice cream place and I would buy a two and a half gallon carton of my favorite ice cream and I'd bring it back to Austin and I reconfigured my my freezer so I could fit it in there. So I have these things that I will nerd out on. I've just never thought to do that on salt. And I'm, I, no judgment here.
1: Yeah, I feel like you're a closet foodie. You just, you got to let it out, buddy.
0: I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. Tell me what am I missing when Jesus says you're yeah. the salt of the earth?
1: Well, I think a couple things. One, if you actually look in the Gospel of Luke, when a second reference is made to that, he talks about how if the salt loses its salting, it is, it is no longer good for the soil. Um, And what we have to recognize back then is everyone knew in the antiquity that salt was also an incredible source of fertilizer, particularly because it was harvested from the surrounding minerals. Now, every gardener will tell you if you just throw a ton of salt on a field, you'll ruin it. But with the right amount of salt, it actually helps with the breakdown of um, anything that's supposed to be used for fertilizer. It also helps with the uptake of the nutrients from the soil. And so to recognize that when Christ was referring to that salt, it's not the pure white stuff that you see in your tables. It's that's that's been harvested with its natural surrounding minerals. So it becomes two purpose. Number one, we start to see that you and I, as the salt of the earth, we are going to be unique. We are not all going to be monochromatic, that we have our mm. unique gifts, skills, talents, everything we bring to the table. Well, yeah. But it is also the call that we are to be agents of humus, human flourishing. And in those places where it is dry and difficult and hard, we are the ones who come in and help bring life.
0: Yeah. So it's not just that we're adding flavor to the world. But that we are bringing flourishing—that's a big difference.
1: It's significant. Changes the way that we live life. Yeah,
0: because if I just have to like add some flavor, then like I'm a, our sevenist. We can just add some jokes to the room, and totally everyone's happier for that.
1: Pop on a Christian T-shirt, and I did my job. Done. No.
0: No. Not. Oh no. Oh no. But we're bringing flirt. Like that's that's a yeah. far bigger task.
1: Yeah. And so then we start to look for the places that don't have life, and recognize maybe that's the very place that God is calling me.
0: Yeah. Okay, so we've established that, to think of the good news of Jesus, it's not just getting to heaven when you die, you're forgiven your sins, but there is, there's an element that, that God has imbued divinity in the food that we are fortunate enough to participate in consuming and that we share this thing together. It's not just us, but we're participating with everyone. Like It's not an individual thing, It's seeing, but we learn to see God in all this. Okay, I can get there. If you can see my ice cream love as part foodie, then maybe I could go, I have some foodie-ish, foodie-ish things. Like, there's a place that I go, like, watch movies that serves food, but they don't have good ketchup there. Mm. And so I kind of want to bring my own ketchup there.
1: Full permission given.
0: Would that, like, that helps my credentials to get into the foodie (laughs) club. If like, (laughs) Like, I don't think ketchup is really that strong of a, like a... People don't really look well upon ketchup people. Like Really? I love ketchup I'm very picky about my ketchup. I'm a Heinz girl. Well, like there's a story about the guy who's the starting quarterback for the Chiefs mm-hmm. that he goes to a restaurant and like and he'll put ketchup on a steak, which most people are not gonna like if you do that. But but if you have your favorite ketchup, like that's still okay, right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. You already
1: qualified with your ice cream, by the way. You just needed one. I'm thing. already in? You're already in. You're in.
0: Okay. Um Yeah, I got stuff I I definitely want to talk about. The um Most important question for a foodie, your last meal. Oh. If if you, okay, let's say, I know this is kind of a long, uh, a, a long kind of circumstance. I need you to kind of imagine okay. this scenario happening. Say okay. so you had to kill someone. Okay. So like it just happens like you you <laughs> had to kill him. It was premeditated to happen in Texas. So we're going to like execute you. That's because it's Texas. That's what we do. Yeah,
1: I'm not doing it here.
0: And it, like, you shouldn't like it's not a good decision. But let's just say you and Jamie were together. She said the wrong thing to you. You decided like I've had enough of you. No more happy hour. I'm going to kill you. And then you you get sentenced to the execution chamber. You're going to have the whole electrocution happen. But they give you your last meal. I know I didn't have to tell all the backstory. Like we could have still, I could have just asked the question directly, but I feel like that added a flavor. Dare I say it seasoned it. Okay. They, you get whatever you want. It's your last meal, even though you killed Jamie (laughs) Ivy. (laughs) What,
1: Jamie, are you listening? Are you listening? (laughs) Okay.
0: What are you asking for? Ooh,
1: my last meal. I'm going to ask for, uh, some king crab cold with hot butter. Uh, not not just with the the clear part of the butter, but actually the milky part of the butter that has that real fat and salt in it to dip Gosh. it in. I'm gonna ask for a lobster tail, and I'm gonna ask for a New York strip cooked medium rare plus.
0: Medium rare plus, mm-hmm.
1: and then a, and then a nice thing of salt from that's not white and iodized uh, that comes with its natural min- minerals, fresh cracked pepper, and probably something like a chocolate explosion of some sort for dessert.
0: Medium rare plus. Yes. Is that? Between medium, rare, and medium. So I don't quite want. (laughs) You are laughing so (laughs) stinking hard. I get like people, I don't want rare, I don't want medium. I need something in the middle. I, well yeah but i need something about 65 percent in the middle <laughs> just a touch more to medium
1: okay some of your listeners are becoming besties with me right now and others are like you like who is this crazy what? lady
0: okay this is friends of annie downs remember we have a ranking <laughs> of our favorite annie down guest we've got four so far uh we'll let them vote after at the end
1: yeah and i need people you guys need to bombard luke with all of your favorite foods just mm. help him fall in love with food all over the place yeah I, Fill his, fill his mailbox. Fill his snail
0: mail. My yeah, packages. Send a, send it. A, what I want you to do is send a box of your favorite food. Ooh. Ship it over here. It's gonna be old and soggy by the time he gets here. <laughs> okay, my. So I had an intern this summer. I had to have one. It happened. Just you know, whatever. And so he was back a few weeks ago, and I invited him to, go to lunch because I'm just that nice of a person. And he didn't even ask where well, we're going to lunch because he just knew like we're gonna go to the same place that I go every time because I kind of do that sort of. That's I, I like routines, I like habits, which is a sign of a very unhealthy seven, because that's not a very seven thing to do. But I feel like your book is in, in, encouraging me to branch out yeah. and to try new things, to, dare I say, to taste and see.
1: All the goodness. All and when I goodness.
0: do that, what am I going to experience about God?
1: Mm. I think there's a couple things. I think one of the questions is just who are you eating with around the table and how are you becoming intentional and maybe spiritually aware in those conversations. You know that idea of an agape meal that that more than food is being consumed but love is being exchanged. And knowing and being mm-hmm. known is important. Yeah, uh, I think second, taking time to, to reflect, even if it's a prayer, I think sometimes if, if it's a moment when you're with somebody that you maybe say grace, sometimes that becomes so rote and you say mm. the same thing over and over or just thank you for this or thank you for that. And, it, and, and it's beautiful, but what if you start thanking for the food? Thank you for God who provided the rain and the sun and thank you for the farmers who sacrificed and thank you for mm. the workers who picked and plucked and thank you for the guy who drove the van to get that meat to, or that food to wherever it needed to go, and to really acknowledge that it is not just the gift of the meal on the plate, but it is so much more, and other people's sacrifice and investment that have gone into providing that.
0: Yeah. That's good. Hey, thanks. I think you should write a book about this. (laughs) Okay, tell me about the recipes at the end.
1: Ooh, okay, so for all six foods that I looked at in the Bible... Um, And all the crazy adventures we went on, each one, I I handpicked recipes, sometimes from the people who I interviewed, Uh sometimes from friends. um, I've tested them, Mm -hmm. and I think they're amazing. So you're going to find things like a dark uh, chocolate sea salt chocolate pomegranate cookie that will melt your face off. Uh, Perfectly gluten-free, but not calorie-free. You're going to (laughs) learn how to make matzah in under 18 minutes. Mm -hmm. You're going to discover maybe how to make a um, lamb lollipop. On the grill, which oh, are quite tasty, especially with really good lamb. Uh, how to make various types of bread and roll sourdough bread from scratch. And so it's this fun. It's not just a book. It's a Bible study. So the cool part is you can do this with your friends. You can get together six sessions, 20-minute uh, teachings, and dive into the scripture. Every lesson starts with a, an actual, like, me and my husband, lay for a friend in the kitchen making something that you can do too.
0: And so it's just fun. I wish we would have food right now. Because I, this sounds way better than anything I've eaten today.
1: Okay, so if we were going to go eat, where
0: would we eat? Well, there's a torchies right next door. And bam, that's it. You could just get your torch your fried avocado. This is my sound of
1: <laughs> running <laughs> you, right now. That's
0: you running right there to it. Okay, wh- okay. So where did you eat in Austin?
1: I just ate at Torchies. Torchies was my main. That's main your main, to main go. one. And Starbucks. I did Starbucks breakfast.
0: I never would have guessed you had a Starbucks uh, breakfast.
1: Yeah, I need my latte. Hey. Caffeine is like the fuel of. My oh, okay, life. so it's
0: like your your beverage breakfast.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, and okay. I usually get the light uh, turkey bacon sandwich to go, because it's fast and it's yummy.
0: Yeah, good for you. I, I mean, I would have gotten torchies, breakfast tacos.
1: But I didn't know that was the thing.
0: Oh, breakfast tacos are so amazing. It's like oh the, one of the best things about Texas. It's so good. Besides freedom. <laughs> Because it's not available in any other nope, state. The only state with freedom.
1: <laughs> I love how Texas thinks it has the grasp on everything in the whole world. Knows, No. Thank you, yeah. thank you for that correction. Yeah, it really.
0: There's something to be said about that. Like we, yeah, you don't find other flags of states around the United ones that are flying over people's you know yards like you do in Texas. I once, at the Jason Palooza with Annie and uh, Jason, the neighbor literally had a Texas flag flying. So I'm like that, that's us. That's who we who we are. But one of the reasons is because we have really good Mexican food, mm-hmm. we have really good barbecue, mm-hmm. and we do steaks well. Mm-hmm. And so we have we have reason to be proud of where we live.
1: I think so too. It's a pretty incredible state and quite diverse too. You've got a lot going on here.
0: Yeah, especially Austin. I mean, Austin's oh, great it's party dance town. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I I feel like we've. We've moved the ball on getting me closer. Okay. I'm not identifying as a foodie, but I don't feel like I'm antagonistic towards foodie. Because you helped me differentiate my antagonism away from all foodies and localize it just on that one person. So thank you.
1: You are welcome. I'm glad to have, have done that. And mm-hmm. you know, after you guys send all those packages to Luke full of food that he can try, I think your, your envelope and your, your bandwidth is going to even expand even more.
0: I, is there anything else that I, I need to know? feel like you got it all. I think I got it all. Okay. All the good things. Outstanding. Sweet. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.